Chris, how you doing? Good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing good. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Leading us. <laughs> you made it back another week. That's... Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's another great week. We get to chat with a new new person in the mix. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I always enjoy this. So yeah. looking forward to today's um, guest. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm, I am too. We'll let you know who that is in here in a little bit. In just a little bit. Because, yeah, that's the way we do. We like keeping right. you in suspense. A little suspense yeah, for you. Yeah. What have you been up to, man? Uh, working. Uh, oh, I actually took a little bit of a trip this weekend. Got away yeah. on the camping, you know, just trying Ooh. to enjoy some of this fall weather. It's always... <laughs> so we were talking about that recently on a podcast, that like three weeks of fall. So you got a camping trip in the little three-week window yes. of Midwest fall. Nice. Right. And so, um, nice. and it was gorgeous this weekend, so... Um, it was it was a little chillier at night, but which is perfect, and a little warmer during the day, which is always good. Yeah, nice. I do appreciate that. So nice. it was good. It's good. Not bad. How about Not you? Bad. Um, w- in this nice weather, we found out that our AC wasn't working again. Oh no! Yeah, didn't or it already? Like, yeah, we just got it fixed. But I was gonna say, yeah, it's just like the blower motor is blowing a fuse or something like that. But we didn't know, right? Because you don't need it right now, right? <laughs> and so the sun got a little warm through the windows one day, and I'm like. Why is it stuffy in here? Yeah. And found out the fan wasn't working. I don't know how long it's not been. So Wait a minute. Didn't I just fix your air conditioner? Yeah, I got to find a new guy, I guess. Apparently. I, no. <laughs> I didn't fix the blower, though. No. No, but we joked about, you know, it always happens on a holiday weekend or yeah. on the coldest snap of the year right? or the hottest day of the year. This actually happened when you didn't know I needed it. Right. So, hey, I'm taking my blessings I wasn't in town to fix one. it either. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We're good. Right. We're so good to go. Uh, so, hey, let's uh, let's let's deal with uh, our fifth voice. Okay. Okay. Because last four podcasts we've been going through a few. Yep. Uh, each you know nurturer to creative to guardian to connector. Yep. And today is our fifth voice, the pioneer. Okay. Yeah. And uh, our pioneer is the champion of strategic vision. They're mm. very strategic in their thinking. They're results oriented. They they love problem solving. They love just bringing dreams and visions. I mean, they're very visionary. This is one of our future-focused voices. Okay. They love seeing things come to come to life. They mm. approach life very much anything is possible. Right. And often don't know how to quit. Because <laughs> <laughs> anything is possible. That's right. That's well, right. They, why would you they quit? Will, they will just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. They're worried about, you know, how do I, how do I win? How do mm. I move ball down the court, down the field? Whatever your analogy you want to use, pioneers are the ones who want to win. Mm. Um, that that drive is very intrinsic. It comes mm-hmm. from within them, rather than you know other people trying to empower them and motivate them. Yeah, you don't have to worry about a pioneer. <laughs> they got they got they, they got, got plenty it of it on the inside. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, they are very um, passionate communicators. Mm. They're able to to tie logic and systems into a vision, and you know even abstract vision and things like that. Um, they you know they just they want to reach a beautiful future, a compelling mm. vision of the future, and they're going to go for it. And they're well, going to bring their team along with you. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, they they just, they know how to move all the right people, resources, process. They move it, they know how to move all those things, like a chessboard or mm-hmm. uh, don't play Risk or Monopoly with a Pioneer. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> they will destroy you, you know. <laughs> um, but they're the kind of people you want, you know, leading the charge in your organization and your team. You want them out there in the front. Paving mm-hmm. the way, and you know, I mean, that's uh, they're, they're powerful leaders, that's awesome. Um, and thus, they have the loudest voice out of the dynamics of the five voices. You know, okay. we we're talking about that. The nurturers, yes, are on the quietest end, pioneers are the loudest voice. Okay, everybody knows when a pioneer's in the room because they will they will they will make it known. Um, <laughs> very apparent, yeah. Often, you want pioneers to go last in mm-hmm. the order, um, because often they can present their ideas, they can prevent, present their strategy, mm-hmm. and even if they don't mean to, even if their heart is not doesn't mean this, um, they can om- often come across as, um, this is the way we're going. This isn't a brainstorm. Okay. <laughs> and so other quieter voices are like, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. <laughs> they might have something, they right. most likely have something to add. They just don't um, want to share it. But that's how the pioneer's voice can overshadow sometimes. Mm. Um, immature pioneers can come across arrogant. Mm. Um, me focused, and okay. so the team knowing that that a pioneer is for them is a huge win for a pioneer. Okay. That I am for you. I I want to uh, you know 
I, I want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. Not just the organization. I want to see you succeed. Um, that's a huge thing that a pioneer could bring to the table. And mm. so, um, but, but one of the things that we you know we keep talking about is is how do you how do you liberate a pioneer? Okay. If you've got a pioneer on your team, they may not be the point leader, or you know they might be coming up younger, you know, or whatnot. Um, how do you liberate a pioneer into leadership? Okay. Number one is to respect their competence. They they value competence above most other things. They're they're not going to put a chess piece on the board that they don't think can help them win. <laughs> right. And so they they need to know that their competence is valued. And um, just because they're competitive, just because they want to change the world, um, they don't want you to judge them on that. Okay. That's the that's the superpower they bring to the table. Okay. Not the you know I mean in a you know, an organization that isn't as uh, competitively oriented, mm-hmm. a pioneer can come off abrasive. And so how do you lean into that? How do you say, you know, help us win? Okay. You know, where where can we be more competitive? Um, invite them to help solve problems. They love problem solving. And encourage them to dream beyond what anybody believes is possible. Mm-hmm. If it sounds like, yeah, we could probably do that, they haven't dreamed big enough. Okay. Encourage them to dream bigger. Hmm. Just keep keep pushing, you know. Okay. Um, pioneers love to be challenged, love to be pushed. Um, you really can't offend a pioneer very much. Okay. And so, dude, that's not big enough. Think bigger, dream bigger, outside hmm. the box. Come on, and they'll and they'll rise to the challenge. They love that. Okay. So, um, the other side, you know, I mean, while this is our superpower, mm-hmm. is a, you know, a pioneer superpower. There is also that weapon side that right. we've been talking about. Right. Um, the weapon system for a pioneer is a grenade launcher. Okay. Mm-hmm. They they release some type of ordinance that lands in the middle of the team, kablooey, yeah, <laughs> and everybody feels the impact of that grenade. Hmm. Um, triggers for a pioneer um, are like I said. You know, we talked about co- competence being important. Right. If they perceive incompetence in others, oh. they will blow up. Mm. And so if a if a team is underperforming to their potential and the pioneer just can't, you know, can't deal with it anymore, that triggers them and there goes the grenade, the mm-hmm. whole team feels the impact, and the pioneer has just used their loud voice to kind of squash everything right. and everyone. Um, not just perceived incompetence in others, but what if uh, people challenge your competence? I don't think you can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can get there. You're going to see a pioneer bristle and feel triggered to use their voice as a weapon. And, okay. Um, somebody threatening the vision, which basically means, hey, I know I'm on the team, but I really don't want to win the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that person's going to be off the team or the pioneer blows up. Okay. And time is of the essence. We're here to win. We're here, we're on a limited time. You know, the game clock is limited, mm-hmm. and unless you're playing Monopoly, I guess. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> if you're perceived as a time waster on your time on your team, a yep. pioneer, that's another trigger for a pioneer. And so, okay. um, pioneers have an incredible super superpower that is a powerful, strong leadership voice. Effective communicators can rally people to a vision um, like none other. Mm-hmm. But that voice can also create a lot of collateral damage hmm. at times. Good and to know. So, um, <clears throat> So our pioneers um, are on the smaller end of the spectrum in terms of population. Mm-hmm. Um, only 7%, actually the smallest of the five voices, 7% of the population are first voice pioneers. Wow. And so when you find one on your team, you can you can really lean into that to a strategic advantage. Hmm. And they're, they're great to have. So Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, gra- link onto your pioneers and challenge them to right. rise. And, and they will. That's and good. They will. That's good. Yeah, I always enjoy that fact that we go over the triggers too, because it's like, it's sometimes you never know what people, um, what they're leaning towards or what they're bent towards without mm-hmm. knowing some of the triggers sometimes. Right. So right. that's really good. Yeah. So that's our uh, that's our pioneer. And that wraps up our five voices. Yes. We'll see what Thanks we do next week. Thanks for going through that again. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, so our interview today, I'm really excited about. Yes. So am I. Yeah, Adam Binkard who is mm-hmm. the founding partner at 240 Solutions here in Indianapolis. Yep. Um, they're in the people and culture space, um, helping organizations um, uh, push into employee engagement. 
Yeah. yeah I mean, we've heard the silent quitting <laughs> buzz yeah. lately a wow, lot, you know? Yep. And so how do we engage, how do we retain our employees and right. how do we build effective cultures in our organization? Right. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about, hearing about this. Yeah. It's good stuff. Let's jump over and chat with them. All right. We'll see you back here in a moment with that. All right. Well, welcome back, guys. Adam, great to have you on the podcast this morning. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. You good? Happy to be here. Cool, cool. Well, uh, start us out, man. Tell us a little bit about your journey, kind of how you got to where you're at today. and. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a, an interesting journey. I'll make, it, I'll make it as short as possible. It might be unexpected, uh, my particular journey, but it kind of starts, I'm, I'm a Midwestern kid with family from Kentucky. So you could probably hear it in my voice, um, you know, hillbilly through and through. I was raised in North Central Indiana by the all-American family almost. I mean, my mom's a nurse. My dad was a factory worker. Uh, it's just me and my brother, a uh, good Christian home. We're talking four, five generations of, uh-huh. uh, hmm. of godly Christian people. And that's kind of the context that you get. Raised in a rural community, went to a rural school. Um, but for me, you know, I had my I had my brother ahead of me. He's 15 months older than I am, mm-hmm. and um, really intelligent. It's like it just comes naturally to him. You know, it's one of those those kind of relationships. And then you've got me, where school's really difficult for me, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of part of that journey. That's relative to what we where I'm at and why I do what I do now. Uh, but it was in that that process, right? So having him 15 months older than me. I get into any class and my teachers, you know, they're going, oh, I just loved your brother. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> not good. You know, I'm not him. And uh, so you know, I struggled uh, pretty bad. Regularly heard from my teachers, um, you know, you just, you just got to try harder, right? Mm. Give it more effort, this kind of thing. Right. And so I had this really <clears throat> adverse relationship with education. Um, and so there was that bit of it on top of all that at the age of 15, I was sexually assaulted, um, by, by a family friend, a male family friend. Mm. And that trauma laid on top of something that I already felt like, you know, I don't belong here. Mm. I'm, I'm not, I don't fit in that kind of thing, Mm. uh, created this journey for me that was really just wrought with, um, hatred and anger and confusion and then I get out of school you know you come to uh to 18 years old and the number one question people ask you is where are you going where are you going to school what are you going to do yeah what college man I just wanted to stop I didn't I didn't want and so I would tell people um the exact quote I would say I don't need four more years to prove that I'm stupid I already know that Oh, wow. And so I went, uh, I've been working since I was 13, been in management um, since 16. And so I just thought, I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. I can work. That's what I'm going to do. So I went to, uh, continued to do that. I did commercial landscaping in Fort Wayne uh, for a number of years. And that led me to a point where I had an opportunity to move back to Grant County, which is where I'm from, and uh, to work for Indiana Wesleyan University as their uh, turf guy for the grounds department. Oh, wow. And so this five years that I'd spent working commercial landscaping set me up. And I didn't realize it was a setup. Like, <laughs> it was God doing his thing, you know? Right. And yeah. uh, so here I am uh, coming back to Grant County, and I started working as a turf specialist for Indiana Wesleyan University. And I'd been there maybe a year, got promoted to the assistant director, and then from there, my director says to me, he says, Adam, you've got a ton of potential, but you're going nowhere if you don't get an education. And oh, wow. uh, so yeah. here I am. I'm, I'm now at this point, what was that, 2004 or five, something like that. And so I'm faced with this thing, like, I feel smart to a degree. Yeah. Like, I'm good at working with my hands, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And... Now I'm, I'm being told if you want to do more, you have to get an education. And so uh, I put it off, put it off, put it off. And then finally in 2006, I thought, I'm going to do this. So being at the university, I had the opportunity to enroll 
in a program. And so I did. And uh, in 2006, uh, I joined uh, a business program. It was Associates in Business program through the university. It's adult online learning. And, uh, and then I, we had class once a week. And so I show up to class. And I'm sitting in this class, and this moment changed my life forever. I mean, my relationship with Jesus Christ changed my life forever. Don't get me wrong. Right, like, that's right, my right. story is, <laughs> is, is that. But it was this moment that God used, or he circles me back to this place for education, which is super <laughs> ironic uh, because I felt so stupid. And uh, I'm sitting in class, and the admissions person, her name's Stacy, comes in just to greet the class. Welcome. So glad you made it. You know, everybody's getting started on their educational journey. And she's speaking to the room, and she says, Indiana Wesleyan University creates world changers. And she says this, and I heard it with different ears. It was one of those God moments. Hmm. And she's still just talking to the room. But when she said her next statement, she made eye contact with me. And she said, you can be a world changer. And something clicked, and it changed everything for me. Hmm. I went home that night, and I thought, I'm going to change the world. And I didn't think I'm going to change my family. I'm going to change my community. I meant the literal world. Right. I felt in that moment, you can change the world. And it, it caused you to live differently. Yes. It caused you to do things differently. And so my journey getting up to this point is this weird um, love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with learning. Because I love to learn. I learned quickly. But I didn't do it like everyone else. Right. And so mm-hmm. I had that that moment, that confrontation with that. And then from there, I went 14 straight years uh, in education, went straight through my associates, my bachelor's, my master's, and all the way through my doctoral coursework without stopping. Holy smokes. Yeah. And, uh, and so to take us, you know, I say, uh, I say I'm just a landscaper from Grant County to take that. And then yeah. all of a sudden now be, you know, without going into long, boring uh, detail, to be at that point completing my doctoral coursework. I'd been interviewed nationally four times for my impact in education, in higher education, uh, speaking at national conferences for education, and you go, those two things don't work together. Um, and it's, it's, that's the journey. You know, you realize that uh, when someone gets a different understanding of what their future can be, mm-hmm. they'll do the work to change. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got to invest in that and getting them to see themselves differently once you do that, uh, they'll join the uh, the adventure. So, I don't know. That's the that's the short version. There's a lot in there. I know right. that's the short version. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Where do you attack, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, just what? just give us a little. Obviously, you're married, and where did where did your wife come into the picture in that? Yeah. So, I've uh, been married for 22 years. My wife and I met my senior year of high school. She went to a different school um, in a different county. Uh, My cousin and her were really good friends. Mm -hmm. And so we met, oh man, uh, now you're testing me. (laughs) We met in 98, late 98, and then we're married in 2000. Oh wow, so So she's walked this journey with you. Absolutely. You know, I've said a number of times because uh, what I haven't really gone into is that the trauma that I experienced at 15 led me into 13 year battle of addiction. Mm. And so having that journey of 13 years, we got married basically in the middle of it. Mm. Um, what, what I've said a number of times, and I said when we renewed our vows in 2007, is that my wife walked with me through this fire mm-hmm. that, uh, hand in hand, mm-hmm. knowing full well that the match that lit the fire was in my other hand. And that's an experience hmm. for me that, you know, I can't, I can't express how grateful my wife, uh, I am for my wife. I mean, she saved my life, physically saved my life. Hmm. I, I'm not sure where or what I'd be doing mm-hmm. without that grounding. Uh, right. You know, again, God has a way. Right? Right. Who gets married in the middle of, of that? And, right. hmm. and for her, why would she marry someone in the middle of that kind of disaster? Uh, but she did, and she's been there uh, for the entire journey. So we have two kids uh, to complete that story. My kids, my daughter's 20. She's a junior at Ball State. 
Okay. And my son uh, will be 18 just at the turn of the year. He's in his senior year. Okay. So, Very cool. Wow, that's awesome. Hmm. So where where does a landscaper from Grant County go in his educational journey? I mean, you you put 14 years of degrees, but what, what was kind of the theme of those years? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I should add in that 14 years that I'm also a three-time college dropout. Um, <laughs> so I can connect with that side of life. There you go. Um, you know, starting, I have a business degree. And then at the end of that, wasn't super passionate about a business degree. I was passionate about helping people. Mm-hmm. And especially people that had been through um, any sort of trauma, uh, which oftentimes presents itself in, by way of addiction and manifestation. And so that led me to get an addictions counseling degree. So I have a bachelor's degree in addictions counseling. And what I've found through that degree, all of the focus in that education around psychology, I fell in love with it. Hmm. I couldn't get enough. I mean, I've said uh, multiple times that my addictions counseling degree has made me the leader I am today. Hmm. And I have two master's degrees in leadership. So those degrees may have taught me a lot about the theory of leadership. Right. And I could bore you to tears with that. <laughs> but really what made me a better leader was understanding the psychology behind um, who we are, you know, behind the eyes mm-hmm. is what I like to say. Uh, it helped me to learn empathy mm-hmm. and to understand. And then you connect that with my, uh, my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it certainly has made me a better leader. So my education is, um, is that I haven't finished my doctorate. I'm sitting, basically need to do my dissertation. Uh, <laughs> so I have, a, grad, I have a, a master's degree in org leadership and a master's degree in advanced leadership studies. Um, and then, you know, one of these days, there'll be a doctorate in there somewhere. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll muster up the courage to, to, to finish, finish it out. Yeah. It leadership just, as well? Just need the time. It is, yeah. Okay. Org leadership. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So during all this time that you were at IWU taking classes, uh, did you stay as assistant director? I did not. I, I worked in that role. Uh, I became the director of Grounds Landscape in 2008, uh, served in that role for uh, almost five years. So it was 2012, middle of 2012, I left, um, consequently, to start a school. Uh, I know this story gets more weird, doesn't it? Um, the kid who hates education uh, now is is getting an education, and I left with um, one of the people that worked with me. His name was Roger Younce, uh, to join two other people to start an alternative high school in hmm. Grant County, hmm. and um, it was a it was a branch of the Crossing Education Center, which was based in uh, Elkhart, Indiana. Okay. okay. And so they were moving south and uh, were developing across north central Indiana. And uh, so I joined that effort and we started a school there in Grant County. It was called the Crossing Education Center, which is now called Kenwell Academy and is uh, thriving, making a huge impact in, That's uh, awesome. in the community. And so I did that for about two years. I did business development and leadership mm-hmm. uh, for, for that adventure. Went into print and promotional sales for a hot minute, like 13 months, 12 months, something like that. Was fired from that. Um, I've been fired a few times. That's, uh, <laughs> that happens in life. Right. Uh, but this was a, a unique story because I was let go from that job because of a completely um, dis- complete disagreement with my leadership style, uh, hmm. which was more of the servant leadership, authentic leadership approach. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, it just didn't jive with the company, mm-hmm. and um, hmm. you know, so that's not me being dramatic. It's literally the meeting. We disagree with your leadership style. Change to this, or you're done. I said, well, this is my two weeks' notice then, and that was hmm. the end of that. Oh well. And wow. um, so you was, really didn't get fired. You just chose not to change. Yeah, I chose to the then uh, my view the higher road Mm-hmm. Um, from what they were asking me to do, and it was in direct conflict with who I am as a person and my character. And yeah, I chose yeah. to uh, to hold true to who I am. Nice. Essentially, hmm. it was at that same time. Then the university had an opening 
in their uh, in Inner Wesleyan National and Global, uh, which is their online adult, which is what I came from, mm-hmm. uh, out of. And so I just finished my master's degree in org leadership, and this opportunity comes open for a coordinator of student retention initiatives. And uh, so I thought, man, I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, that's higher ed for you. They create titles for stuff you don't really understand. Um, so you got to go try the job on. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> At least engage the interview. Right, you know, right, so right. Get Figure it out. Sure. So I went to the interview, and um, yeah, I, I found out this job was about um, helping students succeed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is me. You know, I can't, right. I know these students. This mm-hmm. is me. Yeah. And so I knew nothing about student success, nothing about student retention. Uh, but I thought, I know, I know what I needed. And so we'll try that. So I, I laid it out there and they uh, offered me the job on the spot. My interview was, was that, um, that good. So I walked out of there knowing I'm starting in two weeks, which was great because I'd just been fired. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, didn't have much of a gap there. Started at the university in uh, March of 2016 in this role. And uh, that set me up. Again, God has his way. You know, he sets you up for what you're supposed to be doing. I didn't really understand what my purpose was, but I, I find myself there and I'm super passionate about this. And I just decided, I, I don't know any other way but to connect and just love people. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you translate that into student success initiatives, mm-hmm. but that's what I know I needed. Mm-hmm. Someone to come alongside of me and help me see that I had more value than what I was given myself. Right. And so that was the, the journey. So I was about four months in, and my vice president, her, her office was right beside mine. And so I went over and I sat down with her and I said, listen, uh, I'm a landscaper from Grant County, which, by the way, I still identify with. I love that work. I yeah. love working with my hands. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean it in a derogatory way. It's right. just who I am. You know, I love hard work. And so I sat down with her. I said, listen, I'm a landscaper. I know nothing about student success. I know nothing about student retention. There's a conference in July in Dallas I'd like to go. And it was for Ruffalo Noel Levitz, which is like the uh, the end all be all for student success, and uh, all the admissions metrics uh, for higher education. So they were putting on this conference, and she said, "Yeah, you you should go." So I went because I wanted to get a, a better understanding nationally of what's happening in student success. Like, what do I need to know? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in this session called Retention for Rookies, which is <laughs> super perfect for me. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy is talking, he's giving his fancy presentation and all these really cool slides and Gantt charts and all this. And um, I didn't even know what a Gantt chart was at the time. But uh, he presents this thing and he makes this comment towards the end of his presentation that I wrote down. And he says, there is no universal strategy for student success. Hmm. He says, every student is different, every university is different, and every community is different. And, you know, I wrote that down, and I thought, that's so good. That's so good. That's where I've, I've got to sit on that because I have to understand I can't just get trapped in understanding that I do it like everyone else did it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, so I, I, I left there feeling empowered. I'm like, this is good. So I get on the flight. This is Dallas. I get on the flight home, and, uh, again, God has a way. And so I'm reviewing my notes. It's a three-hour flight. I'm reviewing my notes, and I come to this point in my iPad, where it says there's no universal strategy for student success. And I hear as clearly in my spirit as one could hear, you know better than that, son. And I thought, I don't know nothing. God, I don't I know nothing. I don't know if you remember, I signed up for this, Retention for Rookies. That's what it's called. Right. Uh, because I'm a landscaper right. from Grant County. Right. And... Uh, uh, so I said the rest of that flight just trying to unpack that. What, what was God trying to say to me in this moment? He led me to Genesis one twenty six. It says, let us make man in our image. And it was in that moment, it was the rest of that flight home that created everything we're doing now and everything I did from that moment forward with the university. Hmm. And it was the understanding that every person you sit across the table from, you already know something about them. Because if you can look them in the eyes, you know they're created in the likeness 
of God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it's from that that I can build from there. Mm -hmm. And so uh, along that flight, God helped me to see student success strategies that aim towards helping students with time management. They aim towards helping students with study habits. Those things aren't bad, Hmm. but they're designed to work to value instead Mm -hmm. of from value. And so what we decided is we're going to start, and every student that we encounter, we're going to make the assertion that your value is in who you are, and we're going to work from there. Mm -hmm. Over the next 18 months, we set both historic uh, or both institutional and national historic success in hmm. reducing reducing student permanent withdrawals. Wow. Um, it, which wow. led to being interviewed nationally, mm-hmm. speaking at national conference. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to the guy who said there's no universal strategy. Right. I right. get it. Right. I get it. That's what the world understands. But there is a different understanding. And it's about the humanity that's behind the learning. It's about the humanity mm-hmm. behind uh, employees. Right. And mm-hmm. so we built a strategy that was um, work from value, not to value, mm-hmm. that ended up in a slogan um, that we called Aim at Humanity. Everything we did was built on that. Hmm. And uh, as we pressed into that, we realized that at the university that you cannot offer that which you first don't possess. Mm. And so we changed um, – all of our student success efforts, right? That's, I had built a team at this point. We had a team of six people. And um, we changed all of our student success efforts to not build programming for students. We built all of our student success programming for the employees. And we started working through workshops and building value in the employees and helping them see that you have value, what you bring to the table, no matter if you've been here two months or you've been here 20 years, Hmm. you bring value to this. And it was open up the opportunity to hear them and bring their ideas, what they see, to the forefront. And we built then student success strategies off of that. Hmm. And so it, uh, it really made a difference. And being interviewed, that's what they were getting. I was not only speaking at the RNL conference, then I was being interviewed by their VP of research right and he's going i don't i don't get it how are you getting these numbers and i tried to explain it's all (laughs) about community it's all about understanding the humanity in the employee Mm -hmm. and how that translates out to the humanity of the student right um you know it didn't really i don't think they really understood what i was getting at Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but that's kind of uh, again there's a lot in there. There's there's a lot that's happened. It's hard yeah. to it's hard to explain how much has happened in such a short amount of time. Yeah. But it's all of that revelation, all of my relationship with education, uh, that's led us to what we do now, which is just focus on humanity. Yeah. So you're not at at IWU any longer. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the last uh, few years yeah, and catch us up to the yeah, current because we haven't hit present time yet. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, no, real close. Um, so I was let go from the university, uh, unfortunately, in uh, the beginning of 2021. Uh, you know, COVID had a had a way with higher right. education totally yeah. messed things up. Yeah, it was uh, that was rough. So being let go, my wife and I both worked for the university. We were both let go on the same day. Hmm. And, uh, you know, having lose, we lost 100% of our income in a moment. Right. Oh, well. And uh, it was in that moment that we sat, it took about four weeks to really settle in and go, you know, which way's up? You know, what mm-hmm. do we do? Uh-huh. Um, I'd had success in higher education, uh, so that was an option. Uh, I had some offers out west uh, to come and join teams, and I didn't want to move. Mm. Uh there's some things about me that is, the more you get to know me, uh, the more you understand that when I say I'm a landscaper from Grant County, what I mean by that, the heart of it. And part of what I've come to understand is that uh, living, Grant County is the second lowest social economic uh, state or county in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Really? And uh, coming from that, coming from a place and not having much, I mean, we, we basically were broke growing up. And so coming up, out of that, realizing anybody that can bring change, positive change to Grant County, typically leaves because they get these mm. opportunities. Right. 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 They right. end up right. across the country or whatever. And so I said no to these offers because I wanted to be in Grant County. 
which right. is where I still live today. Hmm. And um, so we committed there. That was step one. And it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do in Grant County? And my options were pretty slim. COVID uh, wrecked a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of layoffs were happening. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, well, let's just start a business because that makes sense when COVID's happening. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start a business built on the idea that we should all be face to face. I mean, that was basically the premise right. is bring people together, build community. Um, and so we did. We set out to start a business. We started two businesses at the same time, my wife and I, uh, 240 Academy and 240 Solutions. 240 Academy is a leadership, character, and soft skills development program targeted towards high school students. And then uh, 240 Solutions is a consulting firm that's built to increase employee engagement by focusing on those things that we learned during our time at the university, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, are, are really three, three areas of focus, shared purpose, vulnerability, and belonging or psychological safety. And so that's, that's what we did. We set out to do that. But the emphasis when we started was on 240 Academy. Seemed like the easier sell, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wouldn't buy leadership development for high school students? Right, right. It uh, turns out everyone, everyone would not buy that. <laughs> so <laughs> we, in COVID, in yeah, COVID, in the midst of yeah, COVID, yeah, uh-huh. COVID. Uh, and and honestly, I think even out of that, it was tough. What we found is, you know, trying to pitch this to as a direct enrollment, mm-hmm. uh, parents were looking and saying, "Listen, my kids in public school. Public school pays for everything." Right. And public school's going, uh, yeah, the state doesn't give us money for that. The parents should pay for it. Hard to run a business when nobody wants to pay for it, the right. service. Right, right. And so we were uh, we were about eight, eight months, eight and a half months in. It was August of that year. Uh, eight and a half months into that journey, uh, about at that point, maybe five iterations of the academy just trying different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, had made a whopping $350 in revenue. And uh, and then it was uh, at this point of confrontation. I said, "What are we going to do?" Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. My yeah. wife had gotten a job in June, but that's it. So our income had just started. Oh my goodness! Again, and so here we are at that point uh, to make a decision. Uh, this inflection point for the business and um, my current partners, uh, Sarah Spangler and Scott Pittman. Uh, I used to work with at the university. Uh, I had been talking to them. And uh, they had done a few things with us, uh, helping off and on. And I talked to them and said, "I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know if we're gonna, we're gonna make it." Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had this meeting. Uh, the three of us had this meeting. I asked them to join me for this meeting with Chick Fil A, and it was a pitch to Chick Fil A for Two Forty Academy. I mean, schools weren't going to take it. Right. I thought, what about businesses that employ high school students? Absolutely. Right. Maybe they'll take it. And they're at the top of that list. Yeah, why yeah. not, right? So uh, we're meeting with them. It went really, really well for what it was. Uh, at this point, as a business, you're thinking, I'll do anything if you'll pay me to do <laughs> right. it. You know, it's a journey of an entrepreneur, I suppose. Right. And um, we finished that meeting, and, and their vice president of leader development says to us, he says, you realize you're organizational consultants, right? And I had this stupid smirk on my face because I'm like, I started a consulting business. I've done nothing with it at this point. And uh, it was that moment where we thought, well, what if we, what if we did that? Mm-hmm. And so I asked Scott and Sarah if they'd be willing to uh, join me in that effort, if we could try and sell it, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we did. And that's the story of, of how we got kind of to 240 Solutions being the primary business. Right. That's awesome. Uh, we did land the sell with uh, Chick-fil-A. with Chick-fil-A. We are partners with Chick-fil-A now, actually. That's awesome. We do their leader development, and uh, which is super, super awesome. But 240 Academy was, uh, in a lot of ways, or not in a lot of ways, in, in the most uh, technical way, was dissolved. Mm-hmm. And now everything's 240 Solutions, mm-hmm. and we do leader development through that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so Scott and Sarah then – you know, they joined the crew, and, and here we are, rolling in 240 Solutions. That's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So let's loop back around to a couple of things you've said. Um, you've mentioned a couple of things about leadership in terms of, um, you know, like when you were at the print shop, you said, you know, I lean toward, I think you said authentic and servant mm-hmm. um, servant leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you talked about aiming for humanity and things like that. How does that 
how does that wrap into who you are as a person? What do those things mean for all the leaders that are listening at this point? Just going, okay, tell me a little bit more about that leadership style. What does it mean to aim for humanity, to serve? Um, yeah, give us, give us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that's a dangerous question, uh, question because, like I said, I bore you to tears with leader theory, uh, but I'll avoid that. Uh, what I learned across my, my education for leadership is that no matter which style you you dig into, even transactional mm-hmm. leadership, uh, which is the one that kind of gets a bad rap, right? Oh, that's where micromanagers come from. Right. Um, transactional leadership, LMX theory, um, these sort of, of leader theories, no matter what, when you cook them down, at, at the bottom of it, what it is, is humanity. And it's this, this base of, of what's effective as a leader is that when you know how to connect and hear your people. Hmm. And so from that, across this journey, I started realizing, boy, I, I really identify with transformational leadership, except for this. I really identify with servant leadership, except for this. Yeah. And what I realized is that all of these studies across the different styles, transformational, authentic, uh, servant leadership, you, know, you name it, mm-hmm. all of the... Uh, all these studies really have this central focus, which is really about people. Uh, and it was out of that I thought, what if what if we create something different? And so I've created my own theory, which is people first leadership. And I think out of that, what that means. So if you again, if you dig into any of the others, uh, you'll find this if you're looking for it. Uh, people first leadership, and we hyphenate that because it's an understanding that as a leader, every employee I have, every uh, superior I have, every peer that I have, mm-hmm. every vendor I meet with, they are people first. Mm-hmm. And when you understand that, again, you can kind of normalize the playing field because every person that, that I'm either leading or working with or working for um, – they have this innate truth about them. And that, that truth is that they struggle with insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're wrestling with some of these uh, confidence issues. Uh, they believe or at some point had a vision or a, a, a dream for their life. And when you start leading from that perspective, it's, it's an adventure to, to unpack that and to find out, like, what is this person's? Uh, potential Hmm. and when you you listen to things differently you start seeing uh, you know these little little differences that that kind of rub you the wrong way Mm -hmm. you go my that hits me wrong but what value does that add to my life what value does it add to our team and so to me uh, I think what it means for leaders is understanding that uh, you as a leader first and foremost are incomplete Uh, you only have your gifts, your skills, your perspective, and your expertise. And unless you surround yourself with different gifts, different skills, different expertise, uh, you're really only singular in your impact. And so to me, it's, it's a matter of understanding that leadership is really about uh, generating trust and community, and because out of that becomes effectiveness. So to, to make a, a really what should have been a short answer a little longer um <laughs> i think i think we get hung up on the style and we've got to we've got to really kind of again cook that down and go what what's in the middle of all of it hmm. and it's all about humanity so that's really what it means is understanding that people are humans before their mothers fathers employees mm-hmm. co-workers coaches right. teachers whatever they're humans and right. out of that we we have something to work with We're speechless, man. Right. We're like, <laughs> there, I, I, I have that effect. I, I bore people to no, a point no, that's where not I, boredom. I don't that know is not say. boredom. No, it's not boredom not by all. any stretch. Yeah, it's that is really good. It's very insightful. Yeah, I mean, my my brain is winding quickly with all of the ramifications and applications of that in every space, from business to nonprofit to right. churches to education to. I mean, it's just. 
to yeah. colleagues, to employees, parenting. to all that, to parenting. Like it is <laughs> totally applicable all the way across the board. Yeah. yeah. You know, you said parenting, that's kind of what started that piece in going through this and, and realizing that really good leadership looks an awful lot like really good parenting. Uh, because there are very few parents, right? They exist. There's those parents out there that you look at and you go, you should have never had kids uh, because they're just disconnected. <laughs> I mean, right? We've met them. Right, right. And I'm not talking about the ones that don't discipline their kids. I'm talking about the ones that walk away. Yeah. Right? The ones that yeah. really don't care about their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- those are those are smaller group. And yeah. while we may disagree in our parenting approaches, what is generally true is parents want what's best for their kids. But we don't do that as leaders. We want what's best for you as long as it's best for me. Mm-hmm. Mm. At some point, that's the, the essence of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. What's best for you shouldn't matter. It's not about me. Right. It's about you. And so there's this, this kind of thread that it started pulling on and going, wow, good leadership looks like good parenting. What does that look like? And what it leads you into, if you're willing to do it, the thing is, is leading this way takes a ton of intention and it takes twice as much courage, twice as much courage as it does intention, mm. because it pushes you into the space where I say, I'm, I'm working with this employee, this coworker, this uh, authority. Am I willing to accept the fact that they might just need a hug? Right, and I, and I will use quotes around that because it, I don't mean physical contact. I mean they just might need to be told they're awesome. Right, mm-hmm. you're great at this, and we don't do that as leaders because if I, if I, if I do that, and what if you get a big head? Right. What if now you think you know more than me? Mm-hmm. Well, newsflash, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You've not been doing. I've said this to as we do consulting now. Uh, to a number of different industries, from fast food to roofing <coughs> to education, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a lot of stuff in between, is saying to leaders, after you've been out of a job, out of a role in your business for six months, you are irrelevant. But we don't lead that way. Oh, I used to do that job. You need to do this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, right. What if you just shut your mouth and ask <laughs> the person that's doing the job, how do we do this? But we don't do that. Mm. We want to be experts as leaders, um, especially leaders that that make to executive level. There is, again, go back to that humanity, egomania. You know, Mm -hmm. it exists. It's Mm -hmm. there. We all think really highly of ourselves, uh, but we don't master the skills of curiosity and gratitude. And because we don't, we just, we think we know. And so we hold a staff meeting where we talk first. Mm Mm-hmm. And then out of that, we go, any questions? None? Okay, I guess everybody agrees with me. Yeah. When likely, 75% of the room is sitting there going, I think you're an idiot because right. you don't know A, B, and C, and if you make that decision, this is going to happen. Uh, but we never sit down to listen, uh, partly because we don't want to take the time and partly because I don't want people to think I don't know. Mm. Right. And nice. uh, that's, a, that's a tough place to be. So it, it takes is. a lot of courage to sit down and start there. You know, to look at an employee and say, listen, Jason, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Help me help me learn Understand. what you're, yeah. what you see. Right. Uh, but we don't lead that way. Hmm. Is that how you encourage your clients to think? Like, is that the, obviously the several conversations that you have with your clients that you're just, I need you to think like this instead of leading with the mentality that I know everything. Um, yes, especially when they, when they ask, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing we've learned in doing this and what we did before is um, people don't listen. Yeah. Uh, so the more I'm talking, the less people hear. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is counterintuitive. And so what we do is we try to outline it for them and then show them. And so we'll do engagements uh, with an organization, be it uh, solution sprints or design thinking sessions or community integration workshops or leader development. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. Uh, when, we, when we get the leaders in the room, what we want them to see is watch what happens. And I've said a number of times, in fact, uh, it's a joke between me and um, my partner, Scott. He's like, you've said that. I don't even know what it means. Because yeah. I will say, <laughs> put people in the room together and watch magic happen. Right. 
Because if you if you get a group of employees uh, from frontline to middle management to executive leaders, you put them in the room and go, here's the thing, what do you know about it? What happens if you give space for that is usually the most impactful thing gets said from someone who wouldn't have been invited to the room. Hmm. And, uh, and it usually happens because they ask a question that no one else will ask because of the assumptions they're making. And so it, it's more really about getting them to see it. Hmm. Right? So I can, hmm. we can say it, but as soon as they see it and feel it, then right. they're going, okay, maybe there's something to this. Right. Uh, right. They'll right. ignore the research. They're not like me, right? I'm, I'm right. now suddenly a junkie for research. <laughs> <laughs> they ignore all the research that says if you do this, it'll work. Right. But when right. they feel it, right? So it's, uh, yeah. you can say it, um, but it, it falls on deaf ears. Right. Hmm. right. Hmm. That is, that's good. All right. So real quickly, um, 240 mm-hmm. solutions. Uh, there's meaning behind the 240. Mm-hmm. Give, us a, give us a quick shout out to what that means. Sure. 240 is, is a nod to Philippians 2.4. Uh, so I, I should preface this by saying we are not a Christian organization. We're not a Christian company. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and everything I do is rooted in Scripture, mm-hmm. despite what people think about it. Um, and so it's a nod to Philippians 2.4, which is my family's verse, Philippians 2.3 and 4, mm-hmm. actually. But... Um, uh, so the 2-4 is that. Philippians 2-4 says, don't just consider your own interest, but take an interest in others also. And that was the premise of what I had been learning out of this this leader theory uh, that, that I was kind of continuing to develop right. in my head. Right. And hopefully you've heard that across this conversation, is this idea that my interests matter. Right? I can't devalue myself. Right. right, And that's what it says. Don't just consider your own interests, but mm-hmm. take an interest in others also. And I like the way that's worded, take an interest. That means I have to be intentional mm-hmm. right. to, yep. to learn about someone else. And mm-hmm. so that Philippians 2.4, for me, uh, represented people first. You know, right. It's this idea of, of there's something interesting there mm-hmm. about people. And so the zero... <laughs> Uh, the zero is added for a couple reasons. The funny reason is because 24 solutions sounded really stupid. Um, 2.4 <laughs> solutions sounded worse. Uh, so uh, 240 kind of flows off the tongue a little bit. Right. Uh, but the the more serious version of that is that uh, there's no exceptions for us. It's people first, no exceptions. That's what mm. the zero represents. Mm-hmm. And then solutions part is this idea that Every solution an organization needs already exists within the people they employ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yeah. It's interesting to, to, to think we're a consulting business that actually is against consulting. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people tell me, oh, we're hiring this, it's generally speaking, can be a mistake because mm-hmm. they come in with their prepackaged ideas, they open their briefcase, and they tell you, here's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They also didn't take a minute to find out and take an interest. And right. their employees. Right. And so for us, we're saying you shouldn't need us. Right? It, if you still need us 12 to 18 months from now, we didn't do our jobs. Right. right. Because our job is to teach you, show you, and walk with you to unpack that brilliance that exists already in your organization. Because mm-hmm. the solution you need is already in the building. You just got to learn to hear it. Mm. So that's, that's, the, good. that's the premise of 240 Solutions. Absolutely. That's real good. All right. If somebody needs to unpack those solutions... How do they get a hold of you guys? Where do they they find you? Yeah, 240solutions.com, or they could email questions at 240solutions.com. Either way, uh, we're ready to answer. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. Dude, this is wonderful. That was really awesome. Very insightful. I'm going to have to start on this all day long. (laughs) Thank you for being the landscaper from Grant County. You set out to change the world, man. This is awesome. I think... uh, um, I'm glad to hear that you guys' business has really taken off, um, and uh, you know you're impacting people and making We're, a difference. We man. might That's have to huge. have you come back around sometime in the distant future and revisit how things are going too. Yeah, yeah, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, That's, That's right. Good. So, all right, guys, all right. thanks uh, for listening. We'll be right back. Jason, I feel like I didn't say very much um, during our podcast, but I honestly, um, even after we got off the hit end on the record, 
it was great time talking with Adam and just all the amount of things that I was thinking about that was going mm-hmm. through my head. Like, right. I, know, I know we're on a podcast and you're probably not looking at my facial expressions, but <laughs> I was thinking about a lot in the midst of that podcast and it was hard to try to think about questions. <laughs> yeah. Because there was just so many good things about it and so much, I mean, just an awesome leader, awesome leader that's going out and trying to encourage other right. leaders. Right. I love the the people first style of leadership. I completely agree. I mean, if if that's not in a book somewhere, I think he needs to write that chapter. I agree. <laughs> in the book on leadership styles, we, come on, Adam, let's do this, man. Right. Because, um, man, it, I, I think he's spot on. Um, you know, I've, you know, with my journey with Giant over the last uh, year plus now, mm-hmm. um, that that is totally what, you know, and even journey with, um, you know, what the work we do at the church. Right. You know, of humanity first. Right. You know, of just... Well, and I know even out in the business world, like where, where, where I, the, the sandbox that I play in, I mean, it's just like I have, I have tried, realized quickly early on that I was more focused on the people that I was working with. Because I knew that there were some things that other business owners couldn't look past mm-hmm. for some of the employees that they didn't, that they couldn't, um, it didn't work in their models. Right. But they were real people and they just had different things that they had to work around for their families or whatever it mm-hmm. was. It didn't really matter what it was. They were real. Right. They want to work hard too, but they just, they had this thing where they had to work around it. And I was like, um, that's just part of life. You right. know, like these people are solid people. Right. And they might have to go to a doctor's appointment every once in a while. They might, you know, and it might be more consistent than the average Joe, but it is what it is. Right. Right. And I think, Two of the, I mean, just brilliant things that that I heard in the midst of this um, that I need to dwell on is now. Now I'm all tongue tied because I can't. It's so it's still just sitting heavy on me. Of um, you know that you're not when when you're doing people first. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and on the podcast, you know, we say you know we're fighting for the highest good of others. Right. 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 That. When you do that, you're not devaluing devaluing yourself. Right. You're not devaluing your company, right. your mission, your 90-day goals, your profit, whatever. You're not devaluing anything. Right. But you're, like you said, being intentional, taking an interest in somebody else's needs mm-hmm. before you worry about your own. Right. And the courage, that was the other part that he said, the courage that it takes to do that as a leader. Mm-hmm. Is substantial. Yeah, it's and it takes twice as much. Right. I think he said something yeah. about that. You know, I was like, I was like, he is spot on. Like, yeah. it does take twice as much. It really does. It takes um, courage to be out in and be an owner or business owner or even venturing out onto something and trying mm-hmm. something. Right. Right. But it takes twice as much to recognize that the people that you're involved with, you put their needs first mm-hmm. and then worry about yours. Yeah. Like in, yeah, that takes a lot of courage it times too. It does. Because I think the questions that we've got to wrestle with, if we're going to have that courage mm-hmm. is what am I afraid of losing? Right. What am I afraid of? You know, what, what do I have to prove? Right. You know, and, and I mean, we have to take the courage mm-hmm. to overcome those, you know, that, that self-preservation type, um, you know, Leadership. I'm going to lose something. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I've, I've got to prove something here. I'm, yeah, I, we got to overcome those those right. moments and have the courage to look into others mm-hmm. first. And I mean, if you think about that, like um, even breaking it down to the basics, like when you, like, what if are you willing to lose your house over it? I mean, to consider a, others first. Yeah, like, it's and a I'm, hard question. It's a hard question. I mean, and I don't know that you have to go to that extent of it, right. but wrestle with it. Right. Wrestle, wrestle with the idea that I could lose my car or I could lose something of value to you, mm-hmm. and it might not necessarily need to be that deep. Well, and it might be, you know, if I, if I fight for the highest good of, of this employee, mm-hmm. they might waken up, <laughs> they might yeah. awake, right. awake, whatever the right adverb or right, whatever. Right, right. <laughs> I got you. They might suddenly realize, right. oh, there's greater opportunity for me elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so by fighting for the highest good of that person, they end up leaving. Yeah. Okay, well, 
that also means they weren't the right person for your for your company. Right. And so by fighting for their highest good, you're actually fighting for the highest good of the company because somebody's right. going to step into that position that is designed for that position. That's I mean, exactly right. Assuming you <laughs> right. are able to find the right person, right? Um, and so it's really it's really counterintuitive that it does work. Yeah. And, yeah. and we don't do it because it works. Right. We do it because people matter. Right. And it's, it, it, And those conversations, those realities, are also very scary. Yeah. Like, I can't... I don't know that I can walk away from the conversation. I mean, the, his comment about it's twice as much courage. Like mm-hmm. you need twice as much courage to do this, right. to do this right. Right. Like right. it's just, this is real. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, as you can tell, we're still processing this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, it, and, and send us your questions. Like we'd love to, love to chat with it. I mean, if we can, um, well, let's process some of the questions. You got some questions. Let's throw them back out here and we'll have a, little Absolutely. podcast where we can talk about it and just because if there's something you're struggling with on or there's something that you're thinking about and you it's at home with this podcast shoot us some questions let's talk about it absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah. like subscribe review um, podcast at exonimo.solutions is the email yeah. and um, we'd love to hear from you thanks for joining us today you guys live with courage yes. fight for the highest good of others let's do it sounds good all right see you next time <laughs>